Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I'm joined on this Friday morning by my buddy, Rich Rebar, Lord Reeves from sharpfootballanalysis.com. We are here, as always, on Fridays to make some picks against the spread. We're going to do our, our five favorite picks along the lines of uh, how they run the Super Contest out there in Vegas. And, uh, you know... Tough spots this week, bud. I, I feel like I feel like um, you know, with no line listed for uh, well, the the Chiefs have a huge spread, so that's kind of that's kind of one of our our go to picks there. And uh, you know, weird circumstances with uh, with that game, and then we I, I think we were both on the Buccaneers side on Thursday night, so we got to we got to get back on the horse uh, for this for this uh, Sunday slate. Yeah, I mean, it was still we had another really good positive week last last week. We ran pure again. Uh, so hopefully we can carry it over. This is a unique card in general, just because there are so many big lines. If some of these games hold up and they actually be played, we've got what ten games where there are favorites of six or more points through five weeks in NFL. Uh, I just looked at the past ten years, and it's by far the most games we've had through five weeks of an NFL season of favorites of six or more points, and by far the most games we've had of a favorites of over a field goal through five weeks in the NFL. And then when you look at the game totals, they're, they're, if you're a game total player, they juice those up again, too. I mean, the average yeah, they're, line I this mean, week so is 50, high. 51 points is, the, is like the average line. So it's a very unique card. I don't think there are a lot of just like spots that are like extremely glowing and we said that last week too and then we had a good week so hopefully that, that plays plays into our favor again this week so we've got some games we'll talk about them so it is a unique season in general just from a betting standpoint because we're getting high super juice totals and then like really wide spreads because when the totals go up the points got to go to some team so I, I it's unreal i think to see the market react this fast but i one thing i'm wondering is how much is this going to play next year? So, like, let's assume that we get a relatively normal training camp draft process and everything next year, you know, fans and stands, whatever, whatever. I'm, I'm wondering how much, like, because, I, you know, I wasn't really betting all that often back in 2012, right, after we had right. that crazy season. And so I, I'm kind of just wondering what totals are going to look like next year. Like, I'm wondering if, you know, the edge early on this year has been on betting overs early on. And now, you know, with these totals at 57, 56, 58, like who knows, but um, I'm, I'm just wondering next year if it swings back a little bit too far, maybe. Yeah, definitely, you know, could play out that way. It's, uh, you know, I mean, the start of the season, I mean, the biggest thing is obviously, I think there's the amount of injuries teams have had and, you know, just re everyone's just reaching into the bag of their depth. We've got so many teams that are just bludgeoned. Uh, and then because of that, I mean, like secondary play has just been a, a nightmare. I mean, you just look at the like the passing stats in the NFL, and it's it's 
I mean, just from our neck of the woods, the fantasy angle, and, you know, I'm looking at, like, fantasy lines and seeing guys that are, like, putting up 20s and they're, like, the QB 18. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, it used to be great. Like, you could stream a guy and get 20 points and be like, hey, I'm in a good spot. And now that's, yeah, like – Yeah, like, now you're getting like a, crushed. It's like a mid-QB two. Um, like, just so many secondaries are hurt, and we'll probably talk about a couple of those teams, like the Falcons. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of injuries out here in these NFL teams. And then just, you know, uh, secondary play has been so bad. Offensive line play and secondary play have really struggled. Have been highlighted. At least they're at least they're not calling holding. Imagine if they were calling right. holding. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, last night too, that game where they had a brutal stretch, uh, and we say last night because we're recording this Friday morning after the Thursday game, and that there was a stretch there where I think there was like the Buccaneers had a penalty. It felt like I'm like 15 straight offensive plays. Yeah. Well, what can you what can you do? I mean, it's just it's just gonna be. There's uh, no way you watched that more, game though, did you? You didn't watch any of it, did you? I watched I watched uh, a little bit because I actually had I actually started Cam Brait in some leagues and I was like I need to just watch because I I saw that Tanner Hudson was targeted twice in the Buccaneers first two drives and I was like am I just gonna get stonewalled by Tanner Hudson here and I think after he he either ran the wrong route or short-armed it or whatever but made Brady look so stupid in the Buccaneers second drive because he threw that deep target to Tanner Hudson and Hudson was way wasn't even in the area code of it I think he got benched for uh Brady at that point so maybe I ran a little bit of hot there and I had to watch Ronald Jones right I had to watch Ronald Jones crush too so we we watched a little bit of it. Yeah. Twitter was, uh, you know, they didn't know how to handle my is Ronald Jones the Josh Allen of running backs tweet, but uh, uh, I think a couple people got it. Yeah, I mean, right. I think what Ronald Jones, like Ronald Jones, once he gets past the hole, is great. Like he just he he's good at making guys miss, but like he is not always great at finding the hole. Like it, like there are there are definitely some runs where you're like, dude, you had four yards there and you lost three yards instead. So yeah, what I mean, can he's you do? a guy that just is like you know he makes like a lot of, like a lot of like really subjectively great plays, and then you just like see him make a play, and you're like, that's the dumbest play I've ever seen. Like a, a guy make like yes, <laughs> but uh, when he is running running is at his like apex, it's I mean he's he's a great downhill runner. So yeah, I mean he he had some great runs last night. So. We'll see how that plays out going forward with him in that situation. But uh, there was, was a lot of good red-ass Tom Brady last night. Uh, so yes. Kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and start with your number five. All right. My number five is a, a game I'm, I, I, I'm putting at five from a confidence level just because this game is the Spider-Man meme. And it's the, uh, the Browns at plus one uh, because these are two teams that want to play similar style ball. But I think when you look at the Colts side, and the Colts side, I think that even the Brown side too, the Colts side, and you look at who they've played, Gardner Minshew, Kirk Cousins, Sam Darnold, Nick Foles, still a lot to be said about their defensive metrics and how far away they are ahead of the pack. Uh, I think that they are a positive defense. They're trending in the right direction. But do I think they're by far like a, a shutdown defense and a team like we should be scared of? By no means in this Browns run game. It has been the best run game in the NFL. And if you talk about not having potentially Darius Leonard, Bobby Okariki looks like he is going to play in this game. Anthony Walker's not looking like he's positive. So you're down two linebackers in this game. Uh, the Browns probably can lean on their run game. Then when I look at the Colts side, 
they've been so injured offensively that I just don't see like where the explosive plays come from. I mean, you've got T.Y. Hilton, who hasn't had more than 87 yards in a game since the start of last year. And then in three wide receiver sets, you're trotting out Zach Pascal and Marcus Johnson. And you're forced to go two tight ends. with. They played Trey Burton a ton last week. Uh, and you know, Moali Cox. Yeah, he, he ran he ran more routes than Doyle and, and MAC combined, I believe. And MAC that the, the last three weeks has made a play and he's flashed all three games, but they like have mushed him again. Like he's running like eight pass routes, and they don't want to lean into him being a playmaker. So I look at this Colts side, and I just don't think that they have the overall firepower to win if the Browns can get in the twenties. Uh, here and then, um, you know, Browns being at home and dogs. Uh, I feel like that they're a, 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 a live short dog uh, to win outright. Obviously, I'm picking them to win out if I'm only taking, you know, the one point. Um, but, you know, confidence level still, like, it's the Browns. Things can happen. So, I mean, I, I've got five, but uh, I do like the Brown side. So, this was actually one of my – I think this was my number three. I, I looked at this line and I immediately thought that it, like, you know, it was just, it was just because – of like the, the Brown stink, right? Like I, I, I literally think it's just Brown stink and people thinking, you know, Frank Reich is a good coach thinking Phillip Rivers is good. Like I don't, I mean, Frank Reich is a decent coach. Like I would grade him as an above average NFL coach probably because he at least, you know, does specific game plan stuff that seems like he pays attention to the opponent and everything. But dude, Phillip Rivers is horrible. Like Phillip Rivers is worse than Jacoby Brissett. Like he, like, he is not good. And if you put him with Zach Pascal and Marcus Johnson and Jack Doyle and, and Trey Burton, like, like this is a, this is a worse offensive context for him than, than the Chargers situation. Like his offensive line is better, but the players he's throwing to are way worse. And I think that this is of, of the lines that I would just say, like, this is a, a wrong line. I would actually say this is the most wrong line of the the slate but the reason it's not my number one is the brown stink of like baker like baker could just go out and be terrible and play terribly and uh you know like the, they could just go full browns but like i i think that you know like uh, cousin sal and bill simmons they play like guess the lines or whatever like i would have just looked at this one and i would have said cleveland by two and a half is like seems like the right line so cleveland getting one point at home i feel like is is a strong spot Beautiful. I'll take it, man. Yeah, I just think there's too many. The Browns just have a lot more offensive playmakers, and uh, I just looked at Colts side. Like you said, Phil Phil's like a game manager now. Yeah, I mean, he's worse than a game manager because when he, because he, what he actually is is he's kind of like uh, late stage Carson Palmer, where anytime he's actually taking risks, you like hey, you hate to see it because he doesn't really yeah. have the juice to get it there. It's uh, it's just, it's a very tough scene. Um, all right, my number five, generally speaking, I'm going to be more confident in this team, but it is Baltimore minus 12. And I, I, I think that Baltimore actually has some issues on offense right now. They, they, I believe they did not cover last week against the Washington football team. I'd have to go back. It, to go back. it was a push. I bet it. There you go. <laughs> that was the one. I went 3-1-1 last week, and that was my push. And uh, it's Griff, Robert Griffin's fault. You know, they were covering the whole game. They brought Robert Griffin in with, like, three minutes left, and he threw an interception. And then, like, Haskins hit McLaurin on a bomb, and they ended up scoring. I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so – Basically, I think that this sets up for if the Ravens do get ahead, they can just go straight downhill against uh, 
against this offense that's going to throw like what 60 times like they just like they just they will immediately go into uh shotgun 10 like 11 personnel and just and just throw the ball and like they got to figure out how to run the ball like they can't keep doing this Gus Edwards Mark Ingram thing like I I I'm going to keep calling the shot like every week, I think, but I think this is finally going to be the, we get 16 JK Dobbins touches week against, against the Bengals and they are able to close it out. Maybe, maybe like, I mean, Burrow, I actually think Burrow is going to be kind of like Romo and Favre early in the career where like the, the back door is always open with him because he is really talented, but this offensive line is so bad. Yeah, I mean, I I don't have this one on my sheet just because uh, the Lamar injury and just kind of some and, yeah, and could be weird points. there. And yeah, so I and it got take it was taken down for a little bit yesterday, and I think it's back up. But uh, uh yeah, just a little une- unevenness, and like I I think that the Bengals actually like with Burrow, they're they're kind of always like a like you said the live back door is open just because they actually do get it. They throw a ton on first downs, and like they just aren't scared to like let Burrow go out and wing it. Uh, so like, there's a chance, like you know, if you get 12 or 13, like that, that he ends up getting it, getting you there. Whereas like last week when we were laying 14 against Dwayne Haskins, you yeah, like, you're oh, like GG. Yeah, they're like, well, if we get to 30, like it's all right, and then they end up, you know, getting the backdoor push. But uh, I don't have this one on there just because the Lamar injury is kind of vague. And like you said, the Ravens is something's a little off offensively. And anytime a team like rotates running backs the way they are, it, I feel like it's it never like fully works out. And we're seeing the the team we just talked about. We're seeing them do it too. The Colts, like they're playing like every Naheem Hines. Oh, dude, is such a gift to the opposing defense. Like the other defense is probably like, yes. how about Jordan Wilkins? How about these Jordan Wilkins carries? Like, why is Jordan Wilkins getting nine <laughs> carries a week? Like, explain that to me, Frank. Right? That that is so tilting. I mean, the most carries a Ravens running back has in a game this season, an individual is 10. Like, that's it. Like, I, it's they're really rotating these guys. It's really weird. Ronnie Stanley, we'll have to see if he plays. But uh, I'm not down on this game at all. I just don't have it in my car because I'm worried about the Lamar thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it'll, it'll be very funny to see uh, Robert Griffin in an NFL game if it ends up happening. I hope – uh, it doesn't happen, obviously, because I've already bet this game, and uh, I would not really be <laughs> looking forward to writing on Robert Griffin. But I mean, maybe in a weird way, it would work out. Where like literally, they just run like they if they get the lead and they have Robert Griffin at quarterback, they might be the first team to like run for fifty times in a game since like twenty seventeen or something. Like they might literally like they they would go for it on fourth down and just run like triple option stuff. They, they are definitely not letting Robert Griffin uh, pull back to pass. all right what Uh, is uh what's your number four game all right so number four is a team that i think we thought would had a chance to be the worst team in the nfl coming into the season uh it's carolina and like you're getting the worst of the number at this point but super contest line you know you were catching three uh to start uh now you're probably i i wouldn't be surprised if it ends up as a pick by the time we get to sunday um, but I mean, when you look at the Carolina Panthers, I mean, there's a reason like why Teddy Bridgewater is the best, you know, active quarterback against the spread because, you know, he's boring. He doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, they've got good playmakers. Uh, when you look at this side of the Atlanta side, he, he runs a little bit too. He's got, yeah. he, he, he can get those, you know, third and three. If, mm-hmm. if they don't run anyone, like he can go and get you those three yards basically. And Atlanta just defensively, they're so injured. I mean, they lost Demonte Casey for the season. It looks like they might get Keanu Neal back. They might get 
uh, AJ Terrell off the COVID list. But I mean, you're talking about a rookie corner that's played one career game. We're not really moving the needle for AJ Terrell. And he was horrible that first game anyways. They have a lot of league high four and a half touchdowns per game. I mean, if you watch that game on Monday night when big Bob Tanyan was just walking into the end zone, I mean, guys are just wide open, like in the, against that defense. Uh, and then the other thing is Carolina, like we expected their defense to be like horrendous and by any means, is it not good, but it's adequate. It's been adequate. And we've seen that last week, you know, even against Arizona, like just them not having the league's worst defense and having just a middle of the road defense is enough. And then Matt Ryan has really struggled the past two weeks without Julio. And then Calvin Ridley is really banged up. He has like three different lower leg injuries. He only played 65% of snaps. So if you're telling me I'm going to get a dog against the Falcons team that we know really can't exploit the Panthers run defense with Todd Gurley and their lead wide receivers are going to be Olamide, Zacchaeus, Russell Gage, and like a 60% of Calvin Ridley. I mean, I'm going to take that dog. I know, Matt, I know Teddy's not going to put me in a bad spot and lose me the game. Uh, so I'll take the points. And um, I think they're another, they're a live dog again this week. Like they've been the last two weeks. I definitely think they're a super live dog. And I think that anytime you can bet, you can get points against uh, Atlanta where you think that Carolina probably has the advantage at like most positions. Cause like the, the thesis of this would be like Atlanta will just be able to outscore Carolina's bad defense, but I would take Carolina's bad defense over Atlanta's bad defense. And uh, I, I, I tweeted this this week and I'm, I'm wondering your more measured take on it. But my, my opinion is that the Panthers offense is performing like this without Christian McCaffrey, not because Mike Davis is better than Christian McCaffrey, but just because they're putting the ball in the hands of DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel. Like they're, they are, those guys are, are just better and more productive NFL players than Christian McCaffrey because of where they get the ball on the field. So like they're like design, not designing their offense around, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey dump offs makes them a little bit better on offense basically. I mean, there is definitely uh, that conversation we had. I mean, you look at – because Mike Davis has been basically like 75% of Christian McCaffrey uh, from a production stance. But the thing is they don't go into the game plan saying we have to get 25 touches to Mike yes, Davis. Yes, that's the uh, difference. And yeah. that's the difference is you open up your offense. That was always the, the argument for like what would happen with the Giants at Saquon and just turns out they're just terrible. It doesn't matter anyways. But that's always the thing when you have one of these big backs that you pay – uh, and you just have to resolve, revolve game plans around them. Like, how much better could it be? I mean, the Titans are a team I feel like that too, and I, I think Derrick Henry is a, a unicorn and he's an immense talent. But, like, if the Titans didn't have to give 30 handoffs uh, – because you look at the Titans, like, first down splits, they are, uh, you know, second to the last in the league in pass rate on first down, but they're, like, third in the NFL on, like, passing efficiency on first down. And it's just like if they were able to do more things where they just weren't contingent on just giving 30 carries to Derrick Henry, like would A.J. Brown be better? Would, you know, all, everything be better? And, uh, you know, do you have an, a, a guy like Chris McCaffrey who we all agree like is one of those backs that, you know, can do a lot of everything, but you're forced to like game plan to give him 25 to 30 touches and it's a running back, which is always tough to do. Um, and we've seen them kind of play a lot better when they haven't had to do that <laughs> the past two weeks. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I completely, I completely agree. Like, I, I just think, I think that is uh, a definite, I think there's a little bit of edge basically in betting the Panthers right now. This was my, this was my number two. Um, I, I really liked, I really liked this one okay, for, cool. I really liked the Carolina side. I thought that this should be Carolina minus one or a uh, Carolina pick em spot. So I have, uh, I have a pretty disgusting one for my next one. This is my, I guess this would be my number three. 
and I don't, I don't really want to do it, but I just feel like the number is, uh, is way off here. And it is the Los Angeles Rams minus seven at the Washington football team. Kyle Allen, dude, like he sucks. Kyle Allen is legit bad. <laughs> like I, I know that Ron Rivera thinks that like this is going to help him not lose as many games. And he thinks that Kyle Allen knows the offense better and whatever. And maybe Kyle Allen makes them like a point or two better just because, uh, you know, he's not as much of a disaster as Dwayne Haskins, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Kyle Allen sucks and, uh, the Rams are playing, the Rams are playing really good football right now. The defense looks strong. The offense did not look good against the giants last week, but I, you know, I'm willing to excuse like a one week hiccup on offense. Like I, I think the Rams are playing closer to their 2018 brand of football than their 2019 brand of football. Where are you at on this one, Rich? Yeah, this was, so this is my number two. Uh, just uh, it, I see the seven, and I just think the Rams are just so so much more more but, uh, better objective team than than the Washington football team. Uh, even changing over to Kyle, Allen, who I agree is I think at best a lateral move or maybe like a a, a, a two to five percent like increase over Dwayne Haskins, um, uh, and then you put him behind an offensive line that's this that, that that's this poor in Washington. It's going to be a struggle. Uh, I believe for him to continue to score points. And he, you know, he just has Terry McLaurin uh, and then whatever they decide to still do with Antonio Gibson, who I think is an interesting GPP play this week, if they continue to expand his usage. Uh, If you look at the end of last year, so Carolina lost what their last eight games, they lost by an average of 17 points per game. Uh, And, you know, it's not a one-off like this Washington team isn't the Carolina team, but they aren't much better either. I mean, the defensive line, We'll get Chase Young back. Like we said, they lost last week. We talked they lost Matt Anitis for an extended period. There's really not a lot to be excited about Washington side. Sean McVay's been calling great games uh, so far this season. Last week was like his first kind of like big – it was the first game they kind of slept walk through. Uh, maybe that was just a, a letdown spot against the Giants. And they ended up winning that game still too. But it was the one time it's – the, it's the worst the Rams offense has looked all year. Um, I think that they'll be fine. They'll bounce back. Uh, I don't like. I think it just goes as far as like you said. It's I'm I'm getting just to only lay a touchdown against Kyle Allen. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that. Yeah, like Kyle Allen, he uh, he's not very good. So if you have a chance to go against someone who's not very good, you get to be on the. I think you're on the better side in terms of coaching. You're certainly on the better side in terms of quarterbacking, which you don't get to say all that often with Jared Goff. You know, certainly the Rams' defense has been really strong, and uh, like Kyle Allen kind of the exact opposite of Joe Burrow with the, when the back door is open, like you're, you're not like, Oh man, I'm terrified that Kyle Allen's going to come back here and put the dagger in me as uh, as time expires. Like you're just like, great. Like I can't wait to watch you, um, you know, target Dontrell Inman three times on this final drive. Like you're just like, whatever, you know, go ahead. So uh, I definitely, I'm definitely, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I, I like this side quite a bit. So I guess you have your number only your number one left, or how many do you have left? I have two left. Okay, three and one. So my number three is uh, the 49ers. Uh, just getting right at the right times. You know, it looks like Garoppolo is going to play this week. Uh, he's practiced. Uh, we're doing this Friday morning, and he's practiced Wednesday and Thursday. So trending positively. Raheem Mostert also. Kittle came back and looked like George Kittle last week. So offensively. There and then Debo came back too last week, and then you know Brandon Ayuk's get so like offensively the 49ers are getting right, and then this Dolphins defense has just been a train wreck to start the year again. Um, their linebackers are terrible in coverage; uh, they can't cover anyone. Uh, they're giving up just a, a bunch of huge plays in the past game. I think Kyle Shanahan's really just going to exploit them, and they're going to really cook offensively. They're still banged up defensively, but it looks like we are like getting closer and closer to the two up. 
breaking point. It's starting yeah. to because the conversation starting to be had. Once the conversation starting to be had by the coaches, that means you know we're getting yeah because we got this week they they came out and said Fitzpatrick is going to start in week five and like immediately when they said that I was like oh yeah it's getting it's getting close to two a time. Yeah, so you're getting a team, you know, East Coast team traveling all the way West Coast. Uh, uh, like I said, offense getting right. I just, I know it's, it is nine. Uh, and I think the Super Contest line was eight. So a little better than the Super Contest line. But uh, I think that just uh, the, the Dolphins are not going to be able to slow down the 49ers uh, if Garoppolo plays. I mean, if Garoppolo plays or doesn't play and it's like Beathard, I don't feel nearly as great. But I, it does look like Garoppolo is going to play. Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't want C, you don't want CJ Beathard in there. Like, no one wants that. That's not a good time. You you don't you don't want to be dealing with that. But yeah, I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely with you um, on this one. It, it wasn't the the nine kind of threw me off, so it did it didn't make my list. But I I'm definitely with you on this one. I mean, I think that uh, getting getting points uh, on the road like this, especially because Fitzpatrick is just such a ticking time bomb. Like he we haven't had the Ryan Fitzpatrick four interception game yet, but like. We all know he's got that in him, and he he would love he would love nothing more than to uh you know do that one against the 49ers. So I I only have one left, and it's my number one. I'm guessing this is on yours, but but maybe not. And it is Seattle minus seven um, at home against the Minnesota Vikings. I think that this is absurd. I mean, the Vikings are so bad, and they just they just do not have the firepower to hang with the let Russ cook Seahawks. And we thought there was a chance that the cooking was going to stop against the Dolphins because they were just going to be ahead the entire game. But the Seahawks are still the the number one most pass-heavy offense relative to, um, you know, expected play calling in, in like, neutral situations in the NFL. Like, the, the Russ cooking experience is, is on. Like, they're just are going to go score 35 points in every single game. I mean, also, you look at that game, too, against the Dolphins, like uh... – they got the ball. So I don't know if anyone watched this game or they were. I I played way too many guys in, in, in fantasy in this game, so I was kind of watching it. Uh, there's a, a right before the first half, the uh, Seattle got the ball, and with I believe 28 seconds, they got it back. 24 seconds, they got the ball, and they had the ball at their. It was a touchback, and you say, all right, well, like, what's the Seahawks team gonna do? They're gonna go to the half, right? They scored. They scored a touchdown in four plays. Yep. Like this is like what is the Seahawks team, man? Like this is totally like against everything we've like come to know uh, about the Seahawks. Uh, they're they're just letting Russell Wilson kind of do his thing, and it's been it's been sensational. Uh, guys are getting open. I mean, uh, eventually, like they're gonna have Josh Gordon play. That could be fun too in this offense. Uh, you know, I mean, he's he's still like eligible to come back at some point, uh, so that could be fun as well. Maybe. Uh, we see him catch some of these David Moore bombs that he's getting involved in. But I that play right before the first half, I was like, oh, 24 seconds. Like, this game is not going the way we thought, whatever. And then, you know, like, Russ goes. He has an 11-yard completion, then a 60-yard completion, and he gets it thrown a touchdown on Travis Homer. And, and like, it's like, who are these Seahawks, man? And it's, uh, it's great. The, the matchup is just phenomenal uh, against that Vikings secondary. The Seahawks have literally been the best like home team to bet on in primetime games uh, since they've hired Pete Carroll and under Russell Wilson. Um, and they've, and they've also owned Zimmer. They're three, you know, they're three and zero, and they've covered all three times against Zimmer uh, head to head Pete Carroll. So uh, 
I mean, it's just – it's hard. That game's fun. I wish that game was on the main slate for fantasy because I have no idea what to do at wide receiver this week in fantasy or DFS. It's just such a crapshoot. I feel like every receiver's in the same tier this week, and we would have loved to play all the receivers in that game. Yeah, would have loved to get <laughs> Jefferson, Diggs, Metcalf, Lockett would have been very nice. And Kirk Cousins is a great quarterback streamer. Again, not that worried. Not that worried about the back door being open. I mean, I think that I think that Seattle can just hang a, a fifty burger here, honestly, if they want to. I mean, I was I was so in love with Justin Jefferson as a prospect, and my biggest argument was that like no one watched twenty eighteen, and, and he played outside in twenty eighteen, and like his dominating everything was great at age eighteen, uh, and he exclusively played outside. He only ran nineteen percent of his routes in the slot. And, like people were like, he's gonna be a big slot in the NFL, you know, he's gonna be in Keel Harry like. And it's just like, man, like, this dude can play outside. I know he can play outside. He just wasn't Jamar Chase. Like, Jamar Chase is just excellent. That's why I moved him inside. And the Vikings played him in slot the first two weeks, and they've got this dude playing outside the last two weeks. He's got seven catches of 20 or more yards the past two weeks. He's like DK Metcalf. He's got 25 yards. He's averaging 25 yards per catch. Uh, it's just it's bonkers how good he's been the past two weeks. Um, um, I had a conversation, and you're not – you're a Cowboys dude, so you probably agree. I think Justin Jefferson, rest of the season, is better than C.D. Lamb. No, I disagree. I think that – I think that C.D. is going to score – like, the the – I actually okay. I think that Justin Jefferson will have a higher PFF grade and will average more yards per target than Ceedee Lamb. I can agree with both of those things. Ceedee will score more fantasy points than him because Ceedee is actually of the three Cowboys wide receivers. Ceedee has the role you want the most. He is getting the short and intermediate stuff, and we saw last week that they have some cool red zone stuff for him. Also. I, I'm ready. I'm ready to drop this take on uh, on this podcast. I have not said this publicly anywhere yet. CD is, if he is not the number one dynasty wide receiver, he is in the top three. I mean, to me, he looks like DeAndre Hopkins, but with good quarterback play and a coach who understands how good he is. I mean, he just I, CD looks incredible to me. He looks on. He looks unbelievable to me. I definitely agree with the dynasty take. He's a he's a clear you know top ten wide receiver right now, and and there's so much ambiguity up there in the top of that tier. Anyways, I mean you know where do you rank guys? I mean you've got aging. We've got the aging top tier of Michael Thomas, you know DeAndre Hopkins, Vontaze. Those guys are all on the back end of the age apex, and these younger guys are all tweener guys. You know like DJ Moore. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of who else is in that mix, like Juju, Godwin, like they're all kind of like tweeners. They're not alphas. Like they're really only alpha guys we have in terms of like old school, like Rotovision, uh, built in a lab guys like we would drool over back in those days are like AJ Brown and DK and AJ Brown's in like a weird offense that like doesn't elevate him. And then, uh, you know, DK is awesome. So uh, I have like no pushback on the Lamb Dynasty take. I am a little worried about just the context that people are putting this Dallas offense in the first month and like what it means for the rest of the season because like CD's target share is not that strong. And if the 55 dropbacks turn to 35 dropbacks. Turn to 35, yeah. Like he's a five target player, like, you know, uh, per game. So my my take on that would be it's it's Schultz who gets squeezed. Like Schultz goes from being a guy who you can start to being to being a blocker. And also I think that we see Zeke's target share decrease a little bit and we see Cooper come back to earth. I think that if they if they cuz right now no one this is uh this is big fantasy doesn't want you to know this. Amari Cooper is the number one wide receiver in fantasy football right now. And he's been awesome. He's been awesome all four weeks. Like not even like no volatility. He's just been 
he's just been a crusher. Yeah. Straight up good for four weeks. So I think that again, (laughs) if the 55 dropbacks turn into 35, the, the, the guys who hurt the most from that are going to be Cooper and Schultz where like Cooper will go from being like the best dude to like the eighth wide receiver in fantasy. And then Schultz goes from being, I mean, what he's fourth right now. Yeah. Well, he's fourth right now in expected points amongst tight ends. And he would go to being like Gronk where it's like, you just got to hope he gets a touchdown. This was supposed to be Jarwin, man. It was supposed to be Jarwin season. We, I mean, we were going to get rich, dude. Jarwin, Jarwin, like, if, if, cause you got to assume that Jarwin is at least a better athlete than Schultz, who's like a, like a career backup style guy. And so you just got to assume that Jarwin would be a little bit more efficient and a little bit more targeted. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's just a bummer. I mean, I just had Jarwin in all these leagues. Like, it's such a bummer. I think my just my overall take on, on Lamb, and uh, I definitely agree with all your points, is just that I think the perception in fantasy for the Dallas offense is like all these guys, like I think you could get a big return on a lot of these guys. Uh, you know, like you could probably – I think you could turn Lamb into a, like a really big plus than a lot of people that just look at his raw, raw stats right now. Um, and what you can turn him into could be really profitable uh, if they go through a period, like, especially this week, if they're, you know, huge home favorites, it's this giant team and it's not the bonanza or the carnival. It's not your first non-Cowboys carnival game because they've led for the few snaps in the NFL, uh, that we finally get Zeke some, some carries here, uh, that, this, that we see that target reduction and it could happen. So, I mean, it's interesting if you have Cowboys guys and have been riding that wave, obviously I, I think that we also want attachment to that offense. By no means am I saying you got to No, in, in casual leagues though, you should trade Dak. In casual leagues, I bet you could get like, I bet you could get DeAndre Hopkins for Dak Prescott if you like you just play in a league with like your buddies from home. Seriously, yeah, that's kind of like just what I was emphasizing there. Like, I mean, I'm not down on the Dallas offense by any means. Like, make that very clear. I just think that the uh, the general public perception may have these guys a pedestal uh, above uh, where they actually will end up. Like you said, with like Cooper, he's maybe he's not the wide receiver one, but like the wide receiver eight. Uh, Lamb might not be like a top 15 receiver, but like a top 24 receiver. You know, yeah. you know if someone's valuing those guys as that, you might be able to pry some really uh, tangible assets uh, for the rest of the season off some people just by exploring and saying, hey, look at the carnival. You guys can buy in the carnival. I wonder, I wonder what, uh, you, I wonder if you could actually buy Gallup cheap. Like I want, cause like he's been, he's had the one good game. I and, think he's been cut in like some gen pop leagues, man. Yeah. Well, I just, I, <laughs> I wonder more in like dynasty too, because they can get like Amari, they can get out of the contract after this year if they want to. And I wonder if the plan is, you know, we, they have Cedric Wilson and Noah Brown, who they are kind of playing, and they kind of, I mean, Cedric Wilson, they, like, actually seem to like a little bit. I wonder if the plan is let Amari go after this year, move Lamb into his role, move Gallup into Lamb's role now, and then have Cedric Wilson be the nine-route guy next year. Like, that would be pretty interesting, and that would be a clear buying spot for Michael Gallup, I think. Yeah, absolutely, from a dynasty stance. But, uh, yeah, circling back, I totally agree. Like, in dynasty – I think Lamb is already in that conversation of like he's maybe I think if there's a conversation we had about being the wide receiver one. I'm like I'm not like yeah I like I like a little more sample size. That's our one like difference, you know. If you're like screw it, I'm going like to the wall. yeah. I mean, well, because it, it's it's confirming all of my priors. Like my yeah, prior was, was Lamb is the goat. Prospect. Yeah, he's such a great prospect, and I hope you are enjoying uh, Olamide Zacchaeus Atlanta. 
buddy. It's eight, and they drafted a cor- they drafted a cornerback who they haven't even been able to play because he tested positive for COVID. <laughs> Olamide Zacchaeus, Christian Blake, Jaden Graham, those are going to be the dudes catching passes on uh on Sunday from from Matt Ryan, and What's I hope that they enjoy I that. Was on with, uh, not to keep dragging this out, but I was on with Bloom over the summer, and we were talking about the Calvin Ridley explosion and how we loved him, and Bloom was his one pushback was he was really worried that Calvin Ridley was like Sammy Watkins that like anytime yeah. he had to go into the shop or like ha- ha- is any kind of a nicked up, like he would struggle. And like, we already saw him Monday night, like zero points. I, I actually, this is great. I haven't got a chance to talk about this on a podcast yet. I'm in a, I'm in a main event where, um, the road of his guys are in uh, Mike Beers and uh, Dave Cabin. They they have a team, and we were up one sixty seven to one sixty three on them going into Monday night. We were we were done, or we had Kelsey, and then they had the they had uh, Calvin Ridley in the late game, and we were up four on them, and we were like, oh, we lost, like we're we're done, we're dusted, and Calvin Ridley got them zero fantasy points just uh so just a little bit of run pure for us in that league but i can't i can't imagine the tilt of needing four from calvin ridley and not getting it oh uh, so many people are watching especially when you think about the start he had the 300 yard games and but i always like i was watching that game the whole time and just thinking about bloom's take about him like saying like how good ridley was because it, it went back to last year as well too because he's been nicked up kind of his first two seasons in the nfl and it's like is this a guy that's like when he's not just like supremely optimal and like tuned up the, the, the gas tank is full. Like, is it, is it, is this going to be like a, uh, a guy that doesn't really give us those apex games, like early career Watkins. And uh, hopefully it's not the case and we see him bounce back. But I would just kept thinking about that take the whole time watching that game. Like, Oh, yep. Calvin really is banged up and he's not performing. Like, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you didn't, you didn't tell me though. Are you, are you in on the Seattle bet? Yeah, I am absolutely. <laughs> okay, all right. Do Do you have any left on your list? Uh, yeah, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a great spot. This one, this one wasn't on my list just because I, uh, I like really don't like betting on the Steelers because it's such a psychotic experience sometimes where they play down to the competition mm-hmm. to such an absolutely. insane degree. But just from a a tote, like you know, if you just look at DVOA and stuff, like the Eagles are Miami Dolphins level bad, and the Steelers have been great. And this is the so every and you have a rest advantage spot here too because the you know with the Titans and Steelers yep. getting pushed out so you have a rest advantage where they've been pl- practicing for the Eagles for you know now a week and a half because that game got called early in the week last season or, or early in the week last week and then you couldn't you couldn't possibly conjure up a worst offensive line versus defensive line matchup than this one I mean the Steelers are number one in the NFL in blitz rate they're number one in pressure rate to come in with a B squad JV offensive line like this is the worst opponent to just come in with offensive line problems and the Eagles were completely bailed out on Sunday night by Nick Mullins they had 260 total yards of offense like they gave up 400 yards of offense and, and won the game just because Nick Mullins gave them basically seven it was points. it was the worst it was the worst pick six of the season I won't say like of all time or anything but it was the worst <laughs> pick six this year where like you like when you're watching it on the all 22 you can't even tell what he was trying to do like generally speaking when you look at the all 22 you're like oh I, I see what the quarterback saw and the window just closed faster than he thought. That was one where I was like, I don't actually know what the intention was there. It was oh, just it was, the, it was the Madden interception, dude. Like he made up his mind going to the, the before he even got the snap was like, I'm yeah. going this route. 
I, yep. I, this is what I see. This is what I see pre-snap, and this is where the ball's going. And dropping back, just didn't even like. I just stared. Didn't even see him or what. Didn't care and just let it go. Let it go, man. I hit my drop, and I'm letting this thing go. And it was oh, what a disaster. But the Eagles are. They're just. They're, I mean, you can blame injuries there, but they are playing awful football the opening month of the season, and. uh I just, I just feel like it's such a mismatch. I do 100% agree with you too about the whole Tomlin, just angle of like they are a tilting experience. But uh, I look at this on paper, I'm like, how do the do the Steelers just not rip sacks repeatedly in this game? <laughs> yeah, just very, very bizarre. Um, all right, man, there we go. We did it. We knocked it out. We uh, we made we made some picks. We touted CD Lamb and Dynasty, and uh, yeah, just just as you and I were on air. The uh, the Jets got a positive test, so they sent everyone home. So that's going to keep me from betting on the Arizona Cardinals this week. So, you know, bless up for that because I probably would have bet on the Cardinals minus seven against the Jets. I just, you know, that in my in my secret shame cave of thinking that uh, <laughs> that they're going to figure it out on offense. I mean, I maybe <laughs> maybe they just need to play Drake. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe playing Drake over Ed or, or playing Edmonds over Edmonds. Drake gets them there. Yeah. I mean, the horizontal rate is back. It is. Uh, it's, it's really, it's really back. Uh, if you go to Sharp Football uh, Analysis, there's a free article on the site. My guy, Dan Pazuda, wrote an article on the horizontal raid and the limitations it's placed on Kyler Murray and the addition of DeAndre Hopkins and how it's kind of actually set back their offense in a way, which sounds counterintuitive. But literally, they are just jamming one-on-one like reads to DeAndre Hopkins on the left side of the field that get like eight yards a pop, uh, and it's just like they're not like a real functional offense right now. And, and there's only four weeks in the season. There's a lot of time for this to improve, but uh, the horizontal rate is really limiting Kyler uh, right now, and that's a bummer, man. We waited through September. September looked really good, and uh, yep. October has really started off with an ominous feel to it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I tweeted last weekend that I thought it made sense to pause everything for a week. But I, so I think the issue with that is you actually, well, act, okay, let me rewind even a little bit more. What I think we're maybe kind of seeing is on some of these really bad teams, like what do the Jets players care about, like quarantining and staying safe? Like, where's your motivation to follow the protocols when you play for the Jets? Like, I want to go out and get dinner or whatever, you know? Like, I, I think that's a pretty understandable human emotion. But the other thing is <laughs> that uh, I think your issue with pausing things is you probably want to get in as many games as you can. Like, just like, let's play as many games as we can. And then if we have to pause down the line, whatever, you know, we'll figure that out. But like, let's get as many games recorded as possible. Like, I, I do kind of... I do kind of get that. It's 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 a nightmare for seasonal fantasy purposes. Like if you, buddy, if you drafted AJ Brown and you're surviving out there, like like my team in the Scott Fishbowl, uh, I mean, God bless you because it has just been a miserable experience. Yeah, I mean, you have to wonder too with the Titans. We because you and I have a team with you know Thorman and Evan, and we have Derrick Henry, and you just have to wonder. Like we're talking about just the potential of like, does this guy even get sixteen games? Like, did the oh Titans no, I think they game? won't. Like, I think just not a chance. Yeah, for the Titans. Yeah, so it's just a nightmare uh, for them. And then you know you talk about the the season long stuff. It's just there was a reason to play more DFS and stuff this year. Uh, if you knew it going in, I know it's hard to not get you cookie jarred. I did my home leagues and stuff, but I definitely scaled back my seasonal leagues this year for that reason of just knowing it was going to be. Yeah, I, I did. I did the exact opposite. I mean, I'm just I'm just all in, dude. I mean, I this is this is like the most this is like the most I've ever played. I max entered all the best ball stuff. Like I just am it's a stone cold idiot. Still. 
so yeah. far though it's still it's still getting there like we haven't had any games get canceled uh stuff's getting moved around for me just from like a an analyst and content provider like that tuesday game is like gonna wreck my week next week it, it just th- it ruins everything i do i put the worksheet out on tuesdays i'm writing these games up now we've got games going on still while i'm trying to write about games in the following week and it's the current week it's just got all well so it's- here's the here's the thing game's probably not gonna happen so you're probably fine <laughs> <laughs> It's like uh, it's, you know, it's whatever. What can you do? Yeah. I, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? All right, man. Tell them about the worksheet. Tell them about sharpfootballanalysis.com. <laughs> sharpfootballanalysis.com. Go read the content. Uh, check some stuff out. Uh, we're running a promo code already. A, a quarter away in the season. Sharp thirty gets you thirty percent off anything. You don't even have to use it on my stuff. You can use it on the betting stuff. Warren's running pure to start the season, just to give you guys uh, uh, some, some information there. Like Warren is way out of the gates, like way ahead uh, on all his picks. If you're into the betting side um, and props are up too. So if you don't even want to care about my fantasy stuff, you just want to use it for the betting stuff. You can do that too. Um, check up the, my podcast with Chad Scott, pre-snap motion and my uh, other podcast, sharp angles with Dan Pizzuta and my boy Cleve TA. That's it. You can find me here. Uh, hopefully every Friday, cause we're running hot on this show still too, to start the year. Yeah, we are. All right, everyone. Check out uh, all the stuff on sportsgrid.com, all the daily fantasy stuff on dailyroto.com, and we will be back next week. Later. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.